You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kutzer FF, how's it going, my dude? Did you have a good Father's Day? I did, man. Uh, just just got to relax. Told my wife what all I wanted was for her to take care of everything that day. But it's uh, it's hard to sit there and ignore the little dude. So you know, I couldn't couldn't go a complete zero on that day. So, but uh, it was good, man. Just just got to relax. Got a got a new golf outfit. That's how I know I'm officially a dad. Especially whenever I only uh, golf like two or three times a year. But I, you know, no no tie this year, but new new golf polos some nice shorts so it was good man how was uh how was yours it was good it was good it wasn't too bad we went to breakfast in the morning with my parents and then afterwards just kind of hung out the rest of the day had some steak last night so it was good and uh, if anybody's watching i do want to say uh, i put out a tweet earlier about my kid he started his own youtube channel and uh <laughs> kind of uh it's taken off a little bit and i really appreciate it he's flipping out right now about all the subscribers he's getting and it's awesome to watch. So if anybody in here is watching that has shared it or seen it, I really appreciate it. It really does mean a lot to us. So anyways, um, with that, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about our uh, top uh, top 12 rookie running – or rookie – our top 12 running back rankings. So for that, um, you know, we are now almost through our rankings podcast. Uh, we got this. We got this show today and then on – Wednesday, we're doing another one, which is a back half of the show, where we're going to be talking about the 13 through the 24 and some late-round guys that we'll be looking at. And then next week, we'll be jumping into the wide receivers. So before we jump into it, I just want to say, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that, that subscribe, hit that thumbs up. It really, help, it really helps us out. And if you're listening on podcasts, please consider rating or viewing the show. Uh, 
you know, whether it's through iTunes, Stitcher, whoever you listen to, we really appreciate it. So with that, let's just go ahead and jump right into it and not uh, waste time with uh, dilly-dallying around, as they say. So uh, oh. with that, we can start it off with, with obviously, Saquon Barkley, right? Like, I think for most people, we're going to go back and forth, and it's going to be Saquon, it's going to be CMC, right? And I think a lot of people are going to have CMC 101. I tend to lead towards Saquon Barkley as the 101, but what is your reasoning of having Saquon at one? I just think uh, we don't see McCaffrey get the get get all the touches that he got last year, right? I mean, just the the amount of touches he had were just absolutely absurd. absurd. The the share that he had in that offense, a uh, little little shameless self plug here. Dropped a uh, dropped an article on the FantasyAuthority.com website, just looking at 2019's numbers. <laughs> looking at 2019's numbers from all of the RB ones, and just in terms of how many rushes they had and so on and so forth. And his numbers were just absolutely ridiculous. Had, uh, McCaffrey had like 93% of the team's rushes. The, the next highest was Leonard Fournette, I believe, at like 85%. Um, obviously, what he did in the in the passing game was almost second to none. I think Eckler was the only one who was even close to that. So I just think this year with uh, with the new offense coming in, with the added weapons – I just think we see his. I think we see his targets drop down a little bit. Um, I think with the with the contract they gave him, they should be looking at dialing back some of his rushes as well and trying to get the most that they can out of him throughout that contract because that's a lot of money to pay a running back. So I just think we see Barkley back healthy this year. I think we see him jump back up into that number one spot. But it's like you said, it's going to be a one A one B kind of thing. But I, I prefer Barkley at this point, um, just with. If you look at what Barkley did last year, even with being banged up, he still had a really solid year, all things considered. So uh, that offensive line improved, and I, I'm just, uh, like I said, banking on Barkley taking over that number one spot with McCaffrey's touches dropping. Yeah, it's going to be hard not for it too, right? I mean, even still, I mean, it's it's insane to think that he played 98 98- Point five percent of the snaps, which was obviously first. He averaged seventeen point nine carries per game, eight almost nine targets per game. I mean, his target Ridiculous. his target numbers were up there with the elite wide receivers, and finished with almost fourteen hundred yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving, one hundred and sixteen receptions. It was just absolutely disgusting. I mean, one of the most historic seasons we've seen from any fantasy player at twenty nine point three fantasy points per game, fourteen goal line carries, which was first. I mean this. It was everything to love. 14 RB1 weeks. Only one RB2 week and one RB3 week, right? Just literally disgusting. Um, I do think on both sides. So for me, like one thing that we should be taking into consideration when we are looking at some of these guys is their offensive line. The offensive line does play a factor in, in how these guys produce. And now obviously some of these guys are, you know, dependent or not dependent on that. They, they can create for themselves, and that's kind of where yards created comes in. But if you look at the the Panthers' offensive line, it is going to take a little bit of step back. Last year, they were 17th in adjusted line yards and 15th in second-level yards. However, they did add John Miller on a one-year deal, but then they made the dumb decision and traded Trey Turner for Russell Okung. I don't, that was one of the worst trades of the offseason. Uh, Russell Okung is always hurt. Trey Turner has been one of the best right guards in the league. So basically, and all they did was they added Greg Little in, in the 2019 second round to play left tackle uh, as well. 
Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to move him or how things are going to work out. But I definitely that offensive line is so thin. They have very very little depth. If one injury happens, Okung, you know, uh, I think this thing could fall apart really quickly. The one thing going for McCaffrey still is the fact that they're probably going to be throwing the ball a lot, um, right? Because of how bad that defense is. But I do think McCaffrey takes a step back. It's not anything massive. I, I'm not calling for some massive um, some massive regression or anything like that. I don't think he's going to just completely fall off i do have him at two saquon i think has a lot of room to grow uh so that's what i like about him and i also really love what the things they've done with their offensive line as well this past offseason um if one thing you want to look at is one they they finished 25th in adjusted line yards last year but eighth in open field which tells you that the that um the running back production was largely by uh, all uh from large large or significant gains and it had nothing little to do with the offensive line so but over this offseason they added andrew thomas with the sixth pick in the draft they added they, they brought in a new offensive line coach with mark colombo they drafted will hernandez last year hopefully nate solder can bounce back so i think there's a lot to like here with this offensive line and i think they get a little bit better take a step forward this year so that's why i have saquon at two so let's move on from both of them i think both of them are kind of chalk uh from there i believe we both have alvin kamara at three or no no Excuse me, I'm wrong on that. Uh, you have the spicy, spicy of Joe Mixon coming in at number three. Cody is frozen. So, all right. So, since he can't talk about that, let's. I'll just go ahead and, I guess, talk about Alvin Kamara because uh, he cannot do that. So, Alvin Kamara last year, we know he was dealing with a ton of injuries, which really hamstrung him last year. He played in 14 games, played roughly about 70% of the snaps, received 66% of the opportunities, 12.2 carries per game, 6.9 targets per game, 800 yards rushing, 533 yards receiving. His 81 receptions was third most, six touchdowns, but he also averaged 17.8 fantasy points per game. Last year, he had seven RB1 weeks, uh, four four RB2 and a three RB3 week. So, I mean, I, I think Alvin Kamara, people, a lot of people could make an argument for Alvin Kamara as being the number one running back this year. I think he, that's in the range of outcomes for him. That, that touchdown number that we've been seeing from him finally fell off. He only had six touchdowns last year. I really like Alvin Kamara this year, and I've kind of considered having him, you know, even as high as number one. We sort of discussed the offensive line for the other. They, we know the Saints' offensive line is one of the best in the league. They were first in adjusted line yards last year, fourth in stuff, ranked 11th and second level yards um they within this offseason they they added to that and brought in cesar ruiz in the draft and also added james hurst who was a starter before being released with the ravens so i do think there's a lot to like here with alvin Kamara. we know latavius murray is still going to be involved so for me i really like Kamara. um i have him as my number three and then when cody finally comes back i will let him talk about why he has joe mixon as number three because i feel like that is much higher than what most people are going to have him at so for, for me i guess i'll go to four which is Ezekiel Elliott, which again is straight chalk because that's kind of how everyone else I think is going to have it. So there's not a lot to talk about here. The offensive line is still absolutely elite. Uh, last year, he had 14 touchdowns. He averaged 18.8 carries per game, which was second. 72 targets, four, four and a half per game was ninth. He was first in red zone touches. The dude's a baller. There's nothing to really sit there. We can sit here and talk about Zeke Elliott all day. I don't think, again, we have a whole lot to discuss with him. Now let's get into some more of the good stuff. And that is Miles Sanders. Between Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, I think these fucking Miles Sanders, right? So let's, let's, let's talk about him. 
I think he's somebody that people are, are kind of going all over the place on. People don't really know what to make of him. You know, we've kind of been hearing over the offseason that they're going to bring somebody in, right? We heard about we, we heard about the possibility of them bringing in Carlos Hyde, then it was Devonta Freeman, or possibly LeSean McCoy. To be honest, I'm not afraid of any of those guys. I think that Miles Sanders takes takes a step forward. I think he's the best back that was drafted last year. And I think we've seen how, how the Philadelphia Eagles feel about him. Despite the fact that he only uh, played 53% of the snaps and 48% of the opportunities... Hey, welcome, welcome back. Yeah, uh, I have no idea what just happened there. So thank you for uh, for holding down the fort. My internet literally just completely shut out. Like there was no light on my modem, and then I tried to pull it up on my phone, and my phone wasn't picking up my mic. So uh, we're, we're back now. We're back. All right. Well, actually, uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? So I went ahead and talked about my my guys are chalky. They're the first four are chalky, anyways. Let's go ahead. Tell me why Joe Mixon. You have him at three, because that is some spice. Why do you have him over Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, that is straight nuts on the table take. That's what we do here, man. I think with Mixon, the reason why I have him over, one, I'll touch on Kamara first. Mixon is going to be the clear lead back, right? He's going to be the one who's getting the majority of the carries. We saw Kamara banged up last year. Even even whenever he wasn't banged up, you can tell that the Saints prefer to use a split backfield. So I think Mixon's going to have the bulk of the carries. So he'll have not only the carries that Kamara is going to – that is not only the carries that Kamara is going to get, but I think he's going to be just just as involved in the passing game, or at least that's what I'm projecting for this year. And for Zeke, there's just – you know, I I normally don't like the lot of mouths to feed narrative, but I mean this offense, man, there there really is – so I think Zeke's targets take a step back. I th- with the defense becoming as decimated as it was in Dallas, they're gonna. I think they're gonna be leaning on the passing game more than more so than the running game they have the past couple of years. So I just think this is gonna be the year that we see Mixon completely break out. I think he's in for a massive year. If you look at what he's done the past two seasons and two of the worst offensive situations that you know the, the NFL has seen, he has back-to-back 1,100-yard rushing seasons. Um, he was RB16 and RB, RB11 over that span as well. Last year, though, after their bye week, whenever we saw that crazy usage that Mixon had, he was RB6. So he jumped all the way up from RB16 to RB6. And normally I don't like doing those kind of things, but I think – uh, Reed saw what he has in Mixon. He's going to be leaning on him. You have Jonah Williams returning, Joe Burrow entering the fold, which should obviously help open things up. If you look at some of his efficiency numbers from last year, he was number one in evaded tackles. He was actually third in goal line carries, but he had just five touchdowns. So, and I don't think the evaded tackles is something out of the norm for him. I think that's the kind of running back he is. The touchdowns with his rushes should be coming up. Like I said, third and goal line carries last year, but only the five touchdowns. The thing that does worry me that is a projection is the fact that he was 21st in routes run last year among running backs with at least 40 targets. So that is going to be a little bit of a a projection that I am putting on him. But honestly, I think after McCaffrey and Barkley, you can put his – receiving talent his ability as a receiver up there with those two i really do believe that so i do think that this is going to be the, the year we finally have the uh the joe mixon breakout that everyone has been clamoring for since uh since his rookie year 
That's pretty spicy. I mean, I, I like some Joe Mixon, but having him ahead of not just Kamara, but also Zeke is as spicy as it comes. Um, I do agree. So looking at, you were talking about the offensive line. They rank 26th in adjusted line yards, 13th in power, ranked 25th in second level yards. Um, as you mentioned, they get jo uh, Jonah Williams back from the shoulder injury he suffered last year. They also added free agent right guard Xavier Suofilo, who has 53 career starts. And they also drafted uh, Bobby Hart in the fourth round. They have some depth with uh, Alex, Alex Redman and Billy Price. Trey Hopkins likely is going to move to center. With all the additions, I think this offensive line could take a really big step forward this year, and especially with having Joe Burrow under, uh, under center, I think just solidifies things a little bit more. So I, I do think all the pieces are there for this offense to kind of uh, be a little bit underrated uh, this year. Uh, I mean, you look at the ADP of a lot of these guys, and it kind of just, I think they're one of the more cheaper offenses. And if Zach Taylor can get the most out of this offense, like I, I definitely think there's a range of outcomes that Joe Mixon has a top five season this year. I know there's people that are uh, completely against that. You know, sometimes you got to drop your nuts on the table and let them know, right? That's what you got to do. Hashtag nut. We got to get a drop for that. Nuts <laughs> on the table, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, And if you look at that receiving group too, like after Tyler Boyd, like who do you feel like super strongly about, right? Like we have no idea what A.J. Green is going to be. We both like Auden Tate, but he's kind of up in the air. T. Higgins is a is a rookie, so I mean C.J. Uzama, um, Drew Sample at tight end. So after Tyler Boyd, and that defense is going to be just as bad as it was, even though they did make some some nice uh, additions in free agency and through the draft. I think the the passing volume is going to be there. He's obviously efficient as a runner, so I just think everything sets up in twenty twenty for the year. Joe Mixon breaks through and shuts a lot of people up. Uh, let's go to Miles Sanders. I have him at fifth. You have him at sixth, I believe. Mm -hmm. So with Sanders, uh, that's who I was kind of getting into before you dropped back in. So now we're kind of caught back up. Uh, 53.7 snap share, 48.4 opportunity share. He averaged 11.2 carries per game, which is 22nd, 3.9 targets per game, 36 red zone touches, 818 rushing yards, 509 receiving yards, 50, uh, 50 receptions, and he averaged 13.5 fantasy points per game. I think there's a lot of meat on the bone here for Miles Sanders, right? I mean, just looking at his 48.4 opportunity share, which was 29th, finished better than that with 13.5 fantasy points per game. So I think you look at that with Miles Sanders and think there's a, there's a lot of upside here with him. You know, people were calling that they were gonna they were gonna bring another running back in, and Miles Sanders feels like that guy that uh, you either love him or you hate him this year. It's like there's not really you know there's not really a. Um, and in the middle crowd, right? I happen to be in the I love Miles Sanders crowd. I think that he's a lock for a top ten. I don't care mm -hmm. who they bring in. Bring in Devonta Freeman. I don't care. Like no. he, the, the dude, it doesn't matter. And I, I've heard people like, well, if LaShawn McCoy comes in, like, what? We're, really, LaShawn McCoy, the guy who got completely benched last year for <laughs> Damian Williams and was com and uh, was completely written off the game plan, received no touches down the stretch or the playoffs. Like, no, I don't, I don't care about LaShawn McCoy. So yes, bring in LaShawn McCoy. It makes me feel better about Miles Sanders. Like Miles Sanders is the locked-in bell cow of this backfield. I think I do think that Boston Scott carves himself out a role and probably gets around 10, 10 to twelve touches per game. I think he sees some receiving work, which could hurt Miles Sanders a little bit. But I think overall, I think Miles Sanders is an a perfect position to ball this year so having him as a top five i don't think is that crazy so is that pretty much how you feel about him yeah i feel the same way we we've both been on the sanders top 10 campaign uh during this offseason and truthfully i hope they bring in somebody like devonta freeman because i think you're gonna see not only the people who 
were anti-Miles Sanders to begin with. But then I think that's going to leak into the general public. There, he's going to get pushed down. He's going to become even a uh, an even better value. Last year he was 13th in routes run. He only had 179 carries, which was 22nd. Uh, there's no reason why that shouldn't approach 200 plus. Uh, he was also efficient with the touches he got. He was seventh in yards per touch last year. So, like I said, I, I'm on board. I don't think that he's going to be, you know, like a Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey from a team share usage, usage standpoint. But I, I like Boston Scott. He might take some, you know, catches away. He's not. I don't think. I don't really see him eating into too many of those carries. Could he eat into some of the catches? Yes. But again, he was obviously there last year toward the toward the stretch. And like I said, Sanders was still in was still thirteenth in routes run last year, and I think he was sixth in yards per route run with uh, amongst running backs with at least like forty or fifty targets. So I am I am all here for the uh, for the sap for the Sanders breakout season. Move on to the next one. Uh, let's go to Josh Jacobs. Where I have him at six. You have him at eight. I, I have made no secret of how I feel about Josh Jacobs heading into 2020. Are happy with him, but I don't think any, there's not many people I've heard that are really beating the drum for Josh Jacobs, but I still think there's a lot of opportunity here. He missed some time last year due to an injury. He played 54.8% of the snap, 64 opportunity share however his 18.6 carries per game was was fantastic now obviously there is some some things to be worried about with he only received 28 targets during that time or he averaged 2.2 targets per game but he did get 44 red zone touches 1150 rushing yards with seventh most average 88 and a half rushing yards per game the 166 receiving yards is certainly not good on one and a half receptions per game seven touchdowns but he was still 15th in fantasy points per game um third in big runs, eighth in evaded tackle, sixth in juke rate, ninth in yards created, so and twelfth in goal line carries, right? And he also missed the last couple of games of the season. That He runs behind one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the league. It just became even better this year when they added John Simpson out of Clemson in the fourth round. I think that has much-needed depth for them and, and could end up being a replacement for uh, either Richie Incognito or Gabe Jackson in the future, but this offensive line is really good. They added Richie Incognito and Trent Brown last year. They drafted Colt Miller last year and this offensive line really took a big step forward last year so there's a lot to like here with this team and a team that I, I definitely think that he gets more involved in the passing game I think you could see this year because if you remember uh, Ezekiel Elliott like early on in his career that was kind of a concern with him was he ever going to see the kind of target share that we were looking for I think he could end up getting somewhere in the range of maybe three and a half, four targets per game, which would bring him up around 50, 55 targets, somewhere in that range. I think that's certainly doable for him. I think once you factor that in, which is with his opportunities uh, that he's going to get in the, the rushing game, I think he, he, he comes easily to the 22 to 24 touches per game. He already averaged 20 touches per game last year. And like I said, like I think there's a lot to like here with Josh Jacobs, and I think he's being a little undervalued. The only guy that I have sandwiched in between uh, Sanders, who is my sixth, and you mentioned Josh Jacobs is my eight, is Dalvin Cook. Um, I just like his overall game better. The thing that's holding me back from putting him any higher is the receiving game work, which is weird because that was one of the things that we loved about him coming out, right? Like we saw him function as a receiver and not just a dump off guy. Maybe that had something to do with uh, the injury that he was carrying through the majority of last year and played through, like I said, outside of those three games. But I, man, I, I think that team actually likes Jalen Richard in that role. They obviously added Edwards and uh, Ruggs through the draft. So 
I'm just not sure if he gets to, you know, 50 targets or so. I mean, last year he was 49th in routes run. Um, that, that is the only thing holding me back. So if, if he's not going to be as involved in the passing game, and again, this isn't a, I don't think he can, I'm just not sure if they're going to use him that way. Then with the additions they had on top of it, I, I, I'm just not sure if, if I, if I see the, the target upside. So you're looking at kind of hoping for a, for like a Derrick Henry esque outcome in terms of fantasy, right? Like you're hoping for those, 275 carries which he's more than capable of and you know 1400 rushing yards and then hopefully the the touchdowns have to follow suit to put him up in that you know top five top six range but that's certainly within his range of outcomes and if they decide to actually use him as a receiver the way that he can be used he could be another guy we could squeeze into the top five here for fantasy purpose at the at the uh, at the end of 2020 so let me ask you this then here's my devil's advocate to you so we know Josh Jacobs only played thir- only played 13 games last year, right? So he, he missed some time. He averaged mm-hmm. 2.2 targets per game. Joe Mixon only averaged 2.8 targets per game. But you love Joe Mixon. So shouldn't you have that same reservation? I mean, he only had 45 targets last year. And not to mention the fact that they, they still have Tyler Boyd. They brought in T. Higgins. They, A.J. Green's going to be back. I mean, you're talking about a lot of targets to go around. Plus, they have Giovanni Bernard, which I don't, is not dead. If you feel that way about Joe Mixon... I mean, it's not like Joe Mixon went out and received 100 targets last year. No, but I think that's that's more within the range of his outcomes than it is for somebody like Josh Jacobs. Right, but I mean, we, we both agreed that. But if they're not going to give him the opportunity, is the, is the question? Is 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 the is the is the is the thing? Because I mean, the same thing you kind of mentioned with Josh Jacobs is: are they going to allow him to be that guy? I don't know if they're going to allow Joe Mixon to do that. I mean, Joe Mixon, like I said, I mean, he only averaged two two point eight targets per game. Like that's not good either. That's one of the reasons why he he wasn't as efficient. Or he wasn't as good last year. I mean, because I mean, almost twelve hundred rushing yards is, is great. Like we'll take that all day. But he only had thirty five receptions and eight, the eight touchdowns was great. But I mean, if you look at those numbers, I mean, there are some things certainly to to uh, be afraid of there with Joe Mixon as well in terms of pass catch work yeah it's definitely a projection on, on my part like i said when i was talking about mixing but that's something i feel way more comfortable projecting for mixing than i do jacobs i mean the only other um the only other running back who even saw any targets last year with since he's joe bernard and i think he only saw those targets um whenever Mixon was not being utilized as heavily as he was i think that's something where you can see geo take a complete backseat to mix in in terms of his his passing game usage and like i said that's just something i feel more comfortable projecting to mix than i do jacobs and i think tyler boyd is the only thing that i feel super strongly about in that receiving group whereas there's a bunch of new moving pieces like i said jalen richard signed that extension so that's why i feel way more comfortable putting Mixon in that receiving kind of role than i do jacobs you mute mute muted I said I, th- I think they're both risky, and they both carry that risk of not seeing as much pass- passing down work as what we're looking for. And I, but I think you can also make an argument that the uh, Raiders' offense is probably going to be better this year. Now, the question is, is are they going to move away from uh, – because the Raiders are pretty run heavy last year as well, despite the fact that they – mediocre team at best so i don't know we'll, we'll see this year i definitely think there's still room for growth for both of them i really like joe mixon this isn't a i hate joe mixon i do have joe mixon ranked 10th and i have joe mixon ranked 10th because I, there is certainly something 
that we need to be uh, mindful of, and that's a possible holdout by Joe Mixon. Um, he has kind of hinted at it, uh, that it could be a possibility. And then we, we know the reason why we have Dalvin Cook, where we have Dalvin Cook, is because of the fact that he's, he's already came out and said full force that he is not playing without the, a fair contract, right? And so with that in mind, you have to drop Dalvin Cook down your rankings. Now, I know it's only June, thank God, so we have time to figure this thing out with him. But if we get to August and he's still holding out, he is going to fall significantly further than this. And I have him right here right now because I, I still think that there's a pretty decent shot that he misses time. You know, with and with Dalvin Cook, so I think that's and that's also something that you should be keeping in the back of your mind with Joe Mixon because that is, that possibility is certainly there for him as well. So and even Alvin Kamara as well, I mean he's also probably should be considered because all three of them could hold out if they don't get the contract they're looking for because all of them are in the same position. And and quite honestly, Alvin Kamara probably has the best reason to hold out because he's been the most productive one of all of the three over his over the lifetime of the contract. Right, Dalvin Cook has never stayed healthy in his career. So we've kind of went over this. I'm not going to rehash this with Dalvin Cook, but th- th- all I'm going to say is I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it. I think we both, at least I would, I would probably have Dalvin Cook fourth or fifth right now if, if he was not holding out like uh, pretty comfortably because of uh, his upside and his his uh, opportunity share that he received. And I think there's even a little bit more to grow, but he was second last year at fantasy points per game. He had nine RB1 weeks and four RB2 weeks. He was 92% of his weeks were usable weeks where he was either an RB1 or RB2. And that's exactly what you're looking for consistency from a player you're taking at that position. I, like I said, I would have Dalvin Cook much higher, but because of the fact that he may hold out, uh, I have I have moved him down a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Um, if they, if we're assuming that he plays a full year, obviously that's going to be with the extension. The last I saw, they are working toward that. It does seem like something that should that seems like it has a better chance of happening than it doesn't maybe i shouldn't think this way in like the terms of you know rational coaching but you would think if they're going to sign him to an extension and something that he would agree on they're not going to want to use him in the same way that they did last year right they have madison behind him who can function really well mike boone even though he hurt a lot of us in fantasy championships he did have his blow-up game so i i would assume that they would pull back on him slightly so even with without the holdout i'd probably still have him in that six to seven range where where i do have him now well i mean he was also just super deficient last year i mean he only played 58 percent of the snaps and he only played 63.1 percent of the opportunities but he he received 17.9 carries per game four and a half targets per game um, almost 1700 total yards 13 touchdowns he was fourth in evaded tackles, eleventh in juke rate, and fifth in yards created. And like I've talked about, like with their offensive line, their offensive line was actually really good last year as as a run blocking unit. They were seventh in adjusted line yards, eleventh in power rank, and fifth in stuff yard, and sixth in open field. Um, they also went out this offseason, and which really proves that how much they want to run the football. And they also added in the second round Urza Cleveland in the draft, who was great as the most athletic tackle in the 2020. They also added another tackle in the sixth round, Blake Brandle. He was graded by Pro Football Focus as the best plat- pass blocker in the top 15 run blocker in this in this past year's draft. So they've really made as much they've really done as much as they could to really improve this offensive line two or three years ago this offensive line was straight trash you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And yeah. So they're telling you what they want to do. Like they are investing in that offensive line. If they invest in Dalvin Cook, they're telling you that we want to run the fuck out of the ball, right? Which we knew that with Mike Zimmer. That's what Mike Zimmer wants to do. Um, Correct. And so you're right. I do think Alexander Madison can also have a secondary opportunity, but I still think that this dude is going to get 22, 23 touches per game. And you get that, that's elite territory. And so... I don't think it's even if he if he maintains what he received last year. Like I mean, they didn't run him into the ground. Like I said, he only played 50, just a tick below sixty percent of the snaps. So um, there's a lot of guys that have way more opportunities used than that. So he did miss some time last year, and that's the biggest thing. Yes. He has never stayed healthy. He's never played a full season in, in his career. So you know, those are things to, uh, to take into consideration when when you're talking about Dalvin Cook. So you know, like I said, I, that's why I have him further down. If not, I would have him. Yeah, and the. Uh... In the aforementioned article that I, I uh, talked about earlier, in the games where Cook played over 50% of the snaps, because there were some of those games where he tried to play through the shoulder injury that he, you know what I mean, came in, had a couple of plays, and was either out by halftime or early in the second half. Um, in the games where he did play over 50% of the snaps, he did receive, I think it was like 71% of the running back carries. So in the games where he was completely involved, he was the the lead back. So I think it's where some of those numbers might become a little a little skewed because he did miss time, and there were a, a handful of games where he didn't get over fifty percent of the snaps. So I, I just see those touches coming down. You know, even if they are coming down slightly, I think that's reason enough to put some of the guys that I have ahead of him ahead of him. I uh, agree, disagree, but uh, so Nick Chubb. Right, like I've kind of gone over a little bit all over the place with Nick Chubb. The dude has massive upside, right? And so the, there's a couple of things that I really wanted to dig into today with Nick Chubb. So I have Nick Chubb at seven, you have him at nine. So I'm a little bit higher on him than you are. But I was kind of digging into because I wanted to really get an idea of what his numbers were pre and post Kareem Hunt because there's been a lot of talk about well he lost a lot of opportunities when Kareem Hunt came back. Uh, let's hold off a little bit on that, right? Okay? If you look at Kareem Hunt, or Nick Chubb last year, he ended up, overall, he played 71% of the snaps, 73% of the opportunities. He averaged 18.6 carries per game, 3.1 targets per game, 52 red zone touches, which was fifth most, 1,500 rushing yards, 278 receiving yards, 36 receptions on 50 targets, 8 touchdowns, and he averaged 15.9 fantasy points per game which uh, was 10th most, and then he was first in big runs, 10th in breakaway run rate, second in evaded tackles, and second in yards created. Super efficient. 
Uh, I still think there's a little bit there. But with Kareem Hunt there, Kareem Hunt definitely plays a role in this. And I think people thought that Kareem Hunt, like the way people talk, that Kareem Hunt just killed them. Again, not so fast. So he averaged 19.25 carries his first eight weeks without Kareem Hunt. He averaged 18 carries per week with Hunt in the lineup. Now, the targets is the one thing that people thought that he really killed them on. He averaged just, just about four targets per game without Hunt. With Hunt, he still averaged two, uh, two and a quarter targets, so it did go down a little bit. But he still averaged 20 touches per game with Kareem Hunt, which is elite. Like, we will take that all day. But people are acting like Nick Chubb, like, all of a sudden was going to drop down to, like, 15 target or 15 opportunities or 15 touches, and that's just not the case. So last year, he had six RB1 weeks. Three RB two weeks, five RB three weeks. They've also went out and uh, really did a number on their offensive line. They finished tenth in adjusted line yards, 29th in power rank, second in open field, fifth in second level. So they they brought in one of the best offensive line coaches in the league with Bill Callahan, which is really going to do numbers on this offensive line. Gone are the probably the worst tackles in the league, which was Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard. Well, Chris Hubbard's still there, but he is now he is now going to be replaced. The Browns used their tenth overall selection on Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama and signed veteran Jack Conklin. J.C. Treader returns the starting center who was who was acquired in 2017 via Green Bay. Joe Batonio is one of the top left guards in the league, and Drew Forbes will be entering his second year will challenge uh, last year's starter Wyatt Teller the starting guard role. They also have a good depth. So I say all of that to say this. I do not think Nick Chubb, they want to run the ball, and I think that's 100% what they're going to try to do this year. They're going to, I think that you see Nick Chubb still command 20 touches per game. I don't think we should be discounting Nick Chubb all that much because of the role of Kareem Hunt. And so I like Nick Chubb a lot, and I think I could have him a little bit higher. But I definitely think that he's that his numbers are not really going to fall off. I think what you can expect, what what he got last year, is what he's going to get this year. Stefanski's now involved in this offense. It's going to be interesting how this thing plays out because we know we can look at Minnesota, and I think on one hand you could say, well, look what he did. I mean, he was a very run-heavy coach, but I think some of that had to do with with Mike Zimmer. But right. I still think overall, I still think they want to be a run-first offense. They've really invested in this offensive line to really upgrade it and not to mention the fact that their defense I think is very underrated as well so with all those things considered I still think Nick Chubb is going to command 20 touches per game and if he's getting that sign me up for Nick Chubb in the second round yeah for sure I'm, I'm on the I'm on the same page I only have him a couple spots lower seven versus uh seven versus nine with uh comparing our two you touched on it already the the real way that hunt hurt his production was in the receiving game he still got those two targets per game um but during that time his so chubb had a 12 percent target share whenever hunt was out of the picture whenever hunt came in that dropped down to 6.7 and if you look at last year none of the top and obviously we're not calling him saying that he's going to have a top five fantasy season next year but none of the guys in the top five last year had a target share below 10%. And the guys who did out of the top 12, so from 6 to 12, the ones that did not have a target share more than 10%, you had five backs. Three were Derrick Henry, Chris Carson, and Mark Ingram. Obviously, all those guys are in run-heavy, run-first offenses. Um, the other two who did not... Like I said, Chubb, who was there up until Hunt came into the picture, and then Todd Gurley, and I think that one obviously was more injury-related because uh, in the years prior, McVay had him at 16 and 18%. But basically all that's just to say that if Chubb is not getting to that 10% target share based off of last year's numbers, uh, this is the 
I think this is the area where we see him finish if he's not going to be able to. And like you said, we don't exactly know what Stefanski really wants to do as an OC because you had Zimmer there, you had Kubiak, and everyone was talking about how that was his system with the running game that he was running with that outside zone. So I, I think that will be something to monitor, and maybe he just prefers having Workhorse back and Hunch just kind of in the background as a, as a change of pace kind of breather back. I mean, that's something we're going to have to monitor, and hopefully we get some sort of – um, some sort of reports coming out of Cleveland leading up to that. So we have a better idea of where to take him. I mean, right now his price 201 uh, coming off as the, as the RB 10. So I, I'd be more than happy to to pay that price for sure. There, there's certainly some concern there. He doesn't have the same upside unless something happens to Kareem Hunt in terms of uh, pass catching work, but I think he can make up that with overall opportunities and then his uh, rushing ability and goal line opportunities. So, okay, so let's go to the next one, and that is Kenyon Drake, who we have at 10. I have Kenyon Drake at 9. You have him at 13. First of all, that's fucking blasphemous. Okay, I'm going to let you know that right now. I really wanted to put Kenyon Drake higher, but I felt I I felt pretty confident with where I had him. Do it. Listen, it's not even Do it. Oh, I'm about to. Warm it up, Chris. I'm about to. You don't even know what to uh so uh anyways, yo, okay, listen, listen. Kenyon Drake, right? It's not even that. It's the entire fucking system of the Arizona Cardinals. Every running back that played for the fucking Cardinals last year dominated. David Johnson was RB5 through the first five weeks of the season. He went down. Chase Edmond walks in and just fucking drops 35 nuts on your head. Right? 30, 30, 35 points on your head. Uh, and then they, they go and they bring in Kenyon Drake. And then this dude, just from week nine on, balls the fuck out. Finishes RB4 over that time span. So it, it's not even just Kenyon Drake. It's the system that, that, every, that everybody should be in love with. Because they, they just produced running back numbers over and over and over again last year. So you look at Kenyon Drake. And that since week nine, from the moment he was drafted, those final eight games of the C, or that he was traded to the Cardinals, over the final eight games, he averaged 15.3 carries per week, 4.3 targets per week. He averaged 80.4 rushing yards per game, 21.4 receiving yards per game. And he averaged a touchdown per game. Now I don't think he's going to average a touchdown per game. Okay, like, I don't. I don't think that's happening. I still think every with everything else considered, I think there's a, there's room to grow. He averaged about just over 100 yards per game, uh, total yards per game. And I, like I said, I think this offense gets even better. He didn't have a, a ridiculous. Uh, it's not like he they were giving them, just feeding them the rock and everything else. He averaged 15 carries per game. I still think that's 100 percent in his range of outcomes uh, right now. And, and so I love Keenan Drake, and I'm going to tell you what. I would be also slamming on some Chase Edmonds later in the draft if I could. Because I think if something were to happen to Kenyon Drake, whoever that backup's going to be is going to be one of those golden tickets. So I think, you know, a late round flyer on a Chase Edmonds, uh, if you don't get your hands on Kenyon Drake, is probably is also something that I'd be looking to do. But overall, it's really going to be hard for Kenyon Drake to fail. And like I've said, like, Unless you think that this that last year was a fluke in terms of how how well the running game went, because they're pretty much bringing back the entirety of their offensive line, they made some improvements along that. Kind of the same team, they you know they landed uh, Josh Jones in the draft in the third round, which was a guy who a lot of people thought was going to go in the first round. And he just happened to fall to them all the way in the third round, so that that's going to help out the offensive line. But overall, I just think it's really hard for Kenyon Drake. So tell me, tell me why you have him at thirteen. Help me help you 
I, I just I, – I can't – I'm not buying into the fact that, like, all of a sudden he's just this baller who's just been suppressed the whole time. And I don't think having him at 13th is egregious. I think if you look at what he did at his time in Miami versus the, you know, the couple-week stretch he had at the end of the year there, like, I think 13th – You're going to blame this man. You're going to blame this man for Adam Gase's fault. You're going you're gonna to blame – we saw – Devonta Parker spread his wings and flew away – once Adam Gaze left, right? He just took off like a phoenix from the ashes. And, and it's the same with Keegan Drake, right? Adam Gase ruins NFL players' careers. That, that's what he's doing now with the Jets. Like, that's why we're not talking about any Jets. Anybody excited about any Jets? Anybody? No? Where's Le'Veon Bell on this list? Really? He's going to be a day two selection for us. A day two guy. <laughs> right? There's nobody we're excited about because Adam Gaze kills everybody. This offense is like a Lamborghini, Okay. And we should want all the pieces from this. You have Derrick Henry ranked ahead of Kenyon Drake, and that is fucking egregious. And I'm gonna, I can, we're not even gonna talk about Derrick Henry because that because we he's not in our top twelve because I have him lower. But yeah, dude, like you said, I'm I'm just not buying into the fact that he is this this baller, and I don't think having him at 13 is is crazy. It's not like I have him at 23. If I had him at 23, you could lambaste me all you want, but he's right outside of that RB1 fringe. And like you said, 15 carries per game, which which is fine. But I think we see that passing game really expand, which will obviously help the run game. But I, I think we see a much, a much more pass-heavy offense than what we saw last year. So I think for me, it's the fact that I think we see more, like, like I said, a, a more pass-heavy offense come in. And I'm not entirely sure that Kenyon Drake is just going to be the dude in that offense. Like you mentioned, uh, Edmonds, I think he could be more involved than he was whenever Drake came into the fold because, like you said, we saw him kind of blow up. So I think that could be a little bit more of a split than it was last year. And I'm like I said, that's that 13 right outside that RB1 range is just that little bit of hesitancy of not wanting to fully buy in. That's That's all that is. Just tap it in. Just tap it in. Just tap, tap, tap. tap We're only four spots different, man. This isn't isn't a a Jonu Smith fucking uh, Hunter Henry situation. Because I I think it's egregious for him not to be uh, a top 12. But regardless, okay? We'll see what happens. We're going to see what happens. I know know I'm going to be on the right side of Kenyon Drake, and I'm going to be, you know, (laughs) giving you a little, little shake. All right? People listen to this podcast, like, what is he doing? I can't see it. What is he doing? Just imagine just... White guy shaking. Yeah, imagine a fish out of water just flopping on the deck. <laughs> oh, oh Lord! Clip it, clip it. All right, oh, that, that'll, that'll be clipped. Who, who, who do? Who else do we have here? Let's go. All right, uh, so have, the last we, two, the last two, so we can wrap this up. I was trying to keep yeah. this thirty minutes, but here we are, TFA fashion, forty-eight minutes in. All right, so the last two: Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones. I've went back and forth. I, I like Leonard Fournette, but I could see the downside with Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is not in a good situation. And the simple fact, well, I should say not that him is not in a good situation, but I think overall that team is not in a good situation. They gutted that entire team. Their offensive line, I don't know about. I think it's going to be trash. And it has very little depth, a lot like the Panthers. Leonard Fournette is somebody as well who's heading into the last year of his deal. Now a lot of people say contract years are undefeated. We'll see with Leonard Fournette. There's a lot to like. He had 91% of the uh, snaps, 91, 90.1 opportunity share. That's Christian McCaffrey level type stuff in terms of opportunity. 
17.7 carries per game, 6.7 targets per game. Leonard Fournette, Mr. I never get targets, all of a sudden just blew up in the target department. 54 red zone touches, 1152 rushing yards, 522 receiving yards, 76 receptions, 17.3 fantasy points per game. He, But here's an issue. Because how much opportunity he got, he was just not very efficient. Because he only had three, his true yards per carry, which true yards per carry basically takes out those big runs to kind of make it more of an average to really get a better idea what the real yards per carry is. Because sometimes if somebody rips off a 70-yard run, that can um, mess with those numbers a little bit and appear that somebody's a little bit better than, than that. So true yard per carry, he was 40th with 3.9, 19th innovative tackles, 46th in juke rate, 8th in yards created, and he faced a stack front. 32.1% of the time, which was fifth. Say all that to say this, that I think Litter Fournette is one of those guys that I feel like if you can get in the third round, I have a lot of interest because his upside is top 10, right? Easy top 10. But he also could end up being a guy who ends up being like RB18, RB19. You don't really know when to expect because if their defense looks absolutely horrific and if they have to throw the ball more, I don't know if he's going to get the same opportunities. They did bring in Chris Thompson. I don't think Chris Thompson is a guy who's going to just wreck him like a lot of people think. But... I definitely think he's going to get some of his targets taken away that he got last year. I do not think that he is going to see those same sort of numbers. I don't think he's going to get 76 receptions again. I think he falls somewhere in the 40 range, which is still fine, especially for a third-round pick. And so if you can get him there, I feel good about it. But any earlier than that, I would be out. Yeah, I, I, on that depth chart, I'm, the thing with this is, I'm like you said, I, I'm not expecting this team to be good by any means. And what are they going to – like? is there going to be any reason for them to just run Fournette into the ground? They might want to see what they have behind him, but I'm not exactly sure what that really is. I mean, you're looking at uh, a Zigbo Armstead who I, who I do think Armstead can function in that Fournette ish kind of role. They, they, they run very similarly. He's not getting a hundred targets again. Even, even if uh, Thompson only plays half the year, he's not going to see a hundred targets again, but I do think he could make up for, what he's going to lose in his receiving production if he if he can just fall into the end zone a couple more times. The fact that he only had what was it three touchdowns last year on the amount of yards and touches he had is just is absolutely crazy. I do like him as a like you said in that range of the of the draft that he's going right now. He I do think that he's going to lead that backfield in touches. I don't think there's going to be anyone behind him that's necessarily even close. They have invested in that offensive line, but it just hasn't hasn't really gelled and come together up to this point. Let's say you wanted to completely, you know, instead of going RB, RB to start your draft, let's say you start a receiver, receiver. Would you feel comfortable taking Fournette as your RB1 in the, in the third round? Yeah, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with okay. that. I actually, next week, I really would like to, before we start, I really would like to talk about or maybe we need to have a separate show because we need to have a conversation about some of these strategies that are starting to get hot again. Because I think I think this is actually a year we should we need to come up with a new name. I guess robust wide receiver is probably the better name to go with, right? Because there's not zero RB, Z, like like zero RB does not make sense at all anymore. And people use that and say, "Oh, zero RB is trash." Blah, blah blah. You have to go running back early. But what we're seeing is all these running backs move up in terms of value, in terms of ADP, and it's really overvaluing a lot of these running backs. Now, I'm not mentioning that to say that less Leonard Fournette, but I do think that going wide receiver, wide receiver, if it makes sense, you should never go into a draft and be like, "This is what I'm doing. This is my strategy. This is what I'm going with." No, you, you let the board come to you. 
if you're sitting there with the 110 and Devontae Adams is on the board, you click Devontae Adams, right? If, that, if, that's, if that's what you want to do. And then coming back around, you could easily land Tyree Kill with your, with your second pick, right? So you get to that third round, and you're right. If someone like Leonard Fournette's on the board, it would be harder for me to pass him up. Because I would like to get at least one of these running backs in the, in the first three rounds. And then because what I would do, and I think the best strategy for it, would be go wide receiver, wide receiver, grab a running back in the third round, and then hammer wide receiver again for your fourth and fifth round. And then your next five or six picks are all running backs. And you just hammer running back to the rest of the draft. Everyone else is starting to draft wide receiver. You're coming off, picking up uh, some of these other running backs that are going a little bit later. And I think that's probably the most optimal way to run it, where you're still solidifying yourself one of these running backs, but you're, you're hammering all this value that's going early. And I know people say how deep wide receiver is, but it's not as deep as people like to make it out sound. Like, yes, there are still options later in drafts that probably shouldn't be. Some guys in the seventh, eighth, ninth round. And people act like the running back positions is dead by then and there's still there's still opportunities there there's also a difference between your eighth round wide receiver and your first round wide receiver um people act like you can just completely punt wide receiver and not take one until the seventh or eighth round and i think that is also ridiculous especially in leagues that are people uh that run two running backs three wide receivers and a flex because i think yeah flex you almost on a ppr you almost always want it to be a wide receiver with all that being said, that, that I think that's a pretty w- good way to go. So with Leonard Fournette, yeah, I would have no problem taking Leonard Fournette in the third round of a draft. Yeah, I think that um, as, as far like real quick, I'll touch on this and we'll we'll go we'll move to Aaron Jones, who's our our RB twelve in terms of our our consensus rankings. The scoring isn't necessarily different with the wide receivers, right? There's just a lot more options that you feel comfortable with later on in drafts with wide receiver compared to running back. And I think that's where people are coming in terms of saying like how deep it is. There are just a lot more options that are going to be more fantasy viable later in drafts than there are going to be with running back. So I think that's where, where that comes from. I can't remember where I heard it. I'm going to have to see if I can find it, maybe attach it to the show notes or tweet it out. But someone, someone in one of the podcasts I was listening to basically broke down the differences in wide and res- fantasy wide receiver scoring from from the past couple of years, and it's really not all that different. I just think there are way more options that we feel comfortable with, and in terms of projecting versus the the running back position. So the uh, the last guy that we're going to talk about, is, like I said, is going to be Aaron Jones, who we have as consensus RB twelve. You have him at eleven. I have him at fourteen. And for me, I I know that he. First of all, those touchdowns are coming down from last year, so that's that's going to be the one thing that has me has me drop him down a little bit lower. And even though he has kind of beaten what LaFleur wants to do in terms of his uh, his committee approach, they obviously drafted A.J. Dillon. I, I do believe that he would prefer to run that as a committee. And he has said as much like two or three years in a row now. Now, could some of that be coach speak? I, I mean, I guess. But the fact that they went out and drafted A.J. Dillon, they've talked about they wanted to use committee. Jamal Williams showed some flashes whenever he was able to stay healthy last year. So it's a it's a combination of all those reasons. And I the fact that, like, if Jamal can't stay healthy, now they have A.J. Dillon just to be a fucking hammer in that in that backfield. So that is why I'm I'm a little bit lower on him. Uh, you have him at 11. How, how are you feeling about Aaron Jones going into 2020? I feel pretty solid with him, to be honest with you. I know a lot of people in the early on process when they brought in A.J. Dillon, people were just scared off Aaron Jones. Now, 
He's not gonna. He's not gonna have 19 rushing touchdowns. Or he's not gonna have 19 touchdowns this year. That's not happening. I'm not worried right. about that though. I still think he can average. I still think he'll get it roughly around 15 carries per game. I still think he's the best pass catching back that they have. And so I, I think I you know four to five targets per game. I so I still think he comes in close to 20 touches per game. Like I'm not worried about that. So with all that being said, like yes, while his touchdown numbers are gonna go down. I still think, you know, he averaged 67.8 per, or rushing yards per game. He also averaged almost 30 receiving yards per game, uh, three and a half or th- 3.1 receptions per game, 19.7 fantasy points per game, which, you know, as we talked about, had a lot to do with the fact that of his, of his touchdown numbers. But at the same time, he was super efficient, just like he's always been his entire career. He was fourth in evaded tackles, eighth in juke rate, and sixth in yards created. So the efficiency is definitely there for him. And so I'm not as worried about him and the other guys that are there. I still think he's going to get his. I think I just think that Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon are going to fight for the scraps. I don't think A.J. Dillon's going to all of a sudden come in and just command this heavy workload and, and just take it away from Aaron Jones is still the best running back in that backfield, and I don't give a shit. Like He's better than A.J. Dillon. He's definitely better than Jamal Williams, and it's his contract year. So I definitely think that they're going to try to get everything they can out of him. And I, I hope Aaron Jones is gone after this year because I want him out of that offense. But Because um, Aaron Jones, I think, is, is, has been a little not not underrated in terms of fantasies the circles but definitely like in terms of NFL really with the Packers has been has been really underrated and hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves but in fantasy circles he's definitely been somebody that a lot of people have loved for a really long time so I'm not as concerned about the other guys there yes his 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 touchdowns are going to come down but that's not anything crazy I still think he can get eight to nine touchdowns which obviously losing 10 touchdowns is a big deal but I think he can make up for that in yards and and even some in the receiving department as well so I like Aaron Jones still just as much and probably not as much as I would have had they not brought in A.J. Dillon because I think that he is going to steal some of his, his goal line work but at the same time I think Aaron Jones should still be considered the the feature back in this offense yeah I'm, I'm not projecting like a, a 50-50 split or anything but I do think that some of his touches and some of the extra work he got was a uh was a result of Jamal Williams not being healthy last year, and now they have A.J. Dillon to fall back on. Last thing to touch on here, Aaron Jones has the same ADP as Nick Chubb, uh, 201. Who do you, who do you prefer there? I can't remember who you had in your who you had higher in your rankings. Do you have Chubb higher or do you have Jones higher? Who do you have higher, uh, Jones or Chubb? I can't remember who you had higher in your rankings. I'm just asking because they have— I have Nick uh, Chubb at 7, and I have Aaron Jones at 11. Okay. They uh, they both have the same ADP and half point PPR uh, on fantasy football calculators, so that's why uh, why I brought that up. Okay, yeah. So I I feel pretty good about Aaron Jones. That wraps up our top twelve the the top twelve discussion. Uh, I'm really looking forward, really looking forward to Wednesday's show because this is when we're going to get pretty different because we have some differences to discuss in next in the next show on Wednesday uh, where we're vastly different. So we can have some pretty good debates. Um, I'm looking just to bring the smackdown um, on you. I mean, bring it. It doesn't oh. matter what... <laughs> No, I was about but, to drop some uh, some Tupac hit him up lines, but I don't I don't think it's necessarily appropriate right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So with that, uh, you know, I really thought we were gonna be able to keep this like thirty forty five minutes. It's just over an hour. It's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, we had some technical difficulties there that uh, hung us up a little bit, if you will. So so I really appreciate everybody checking out the show. Please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. If you're listening to this on podcast, go over real quick. It takes a couple seconds. I really would appreciate it. We would appreciate it. If you just hit that subscribe button, leave a comment. Tell us why we're idiots. Tell me why I'm wrong. 
okay? Tell me why I'm wrong. I don't think that I am, and I'm always right, okay? But if I, you think I'm wrong on any one of these, let me know. Tell Cody why jo- Joe Mixon at number three may be ridiculous. Tell him why Kenyon Drake at 13 is fucking laughable because Kenyon Drake is a, is a beast. But just do it on YouTube. Drop it in there. Really, We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. We're trying to bring some fire content. You can check out our TikTok. We got a TikTok now. A TikTok. You know, or Cody's just dropping some TikTok out there. There's a TikTok fire out there, right? You can check out our Instagram. We're everywhere. We're worldwide. We're even dropping content again on the old website, on the old fantasyauthority.com. We got fire. We got fire content coming out from there, from Ryan, from Jeff. Cody's dropping some stuff. We're going to do some team stuff. So with all that, I really appreciate everybody checking out the show. You can follow me on Twitter at FantasyRat13. You can follow Cody at CKutzerFF. And until Wednesday, I really appreciate everybody taking the time to listen. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll see you on Wednesday. Bye. We hope you enjoy your stay. for the day. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.